AdamRift.com, and I am Adam at Zombieologist on Twitter, and I am coming to you this episode from downtown Chicago, where it is at this time three degrees with a real feel of minus twenty-one, and I feel like you have this perception of me as being someone who is unable to handle cold weather, but. Me specific. You're talking to yeah, me. Yeah, you. Yes, you. I think you have this 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 idea that you know I'm just like a cold weather wimp. Well, but you you seem to have managed. You always return from your cold weather trips in one right, piece. I, I I don't think I'm a weather complainer. Like okay. I don't complain about rain. I don't complain about cold weather. Here you don't you don't complain. You mention you mention you you mention the situation and you ask about things to bring occasionally. You don't complain though. You're right. You just bring it up. Anyway, I th- it's 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 definitely cold, and it is. That is cold. I'll give you that. That's not fun. That's cold. I, I'm getting by, but I realize why people wear scarves now. It's to cover the area of the face under the eyes, and so because that that part really stings in in cold weather, and I don't like packing multiple pairs of shoes. I just like traveling with one pair of shoes that can serve all purposes. Yeah. And I have running shoes where the the top of the sh- the top of the shoe is breathable, which is not good in cold weather because No, that Chicago wind will cut right through that shoe, right? Is that yeah, what it's and doing? So so I'm walking around and like my torso is warm, but <laughs> you know, my mouth area is 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 burning and and my my toes don't feel well. Yeah. But I think I manage. And I'm staying at Virgin Richard Branson opened up a hotel in Chicago. I think it's his own only hotel. So the Virgin Hotel in Chicago. And when I was checking in, I was told that guests can drive there's there's complimentary Teslas for guests to guests to drive. But you can only drive it within two miles of the hotel, which I don't know why anyone would want to drive around downtown Chicago, which is the most walkable area of Chicago. Well, two and two miles is... I don't know where I drive. I don't know where I drive a Tesla to around downtown anyway. I, you know, I don't want to drive downtown. What, what's the purpose of, I mean, you think everybody would share that same sentiment? Well, I mean, this area, if you, if if I wanted to go to like a museum, I could drive to the museum, drive the Tesla to the museum. Yeah. No, nothing unfortunately nothing interests me in downtown because i did live in chicago for a year so i have seen everything that's downtown is it but, just you know are, 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 are they all a, stickered a, up like do they say virgin all over them like i have i haven't seen these teslas okay. but she's like oh just just go outside and ask ask to use it use a tesla it's cool but the use case is severely handicapped there and, like, and i wonder how they measure radius. yeah the radius, like, does the Tesla just shut off? If you, is it like a ankle bracelet? <laughs> does it just shut off? Probably doesn't, but they will know how far you go. 
Yeah. Is, is it like one of those shopping carts where the wheel just stops working? <laughs> it just breaks immediately. Yeah. Speaking of getting around Chicago, so n- nowadays every city, the public transportation systems, they're using like cards instead of like tickets. In the Bay Area, you get um, what's it's called a clipper card. It's like a plastic credit card that, you know, you put money onto the card and you can use it on various public transportation systems. And in L.A., it's called TAP. Uh, in Seattle, it's Orca. Yeah. In Washington, D.C., it's Smart Trip. And in Chicago, it's Ventra. And I think for people living in cities, it's, it's nice. Just have one card that you can use on all these systems. But if you're just visiting a city, it's annoying because you have to buy these cards. You have to pay for the the plastic card. Like a, there's a, no visitors option. A simpler yeah, if, option. Yeah, if you want like a a seven day pass or a three day pass, you have to buy the card to load the pass onto the card. They don't just sell you passes anymore. But what I discovered that in Chicago, you can. You could just use your phone as the card. You don't have to buy the card. You oh. can use Apple Pay. And so I finally got around to using Apple Pay. And I finally discovered that you can turn on your iPhone just by using the, the thumb. Like, it'll read your thumb. Oh, God. Just, You're just I, figuring this out? I, I, I just discovered it. And it's been nice. Like, you know, I've been using, I've been, you know, going into subway stations. You just put your phone on the little turnstile and you put your thumb there and it'll let you in. And you can, like, load passes onto the phone so you don't have to buy the card you can just directly load like a a three-day or a seven-day pass onto your phone Mm -hmm. and just you know use it on a bus or use it to get onto the train and i hope that more cities adopt this so far chicago is the only one you you, you've been to recently that has that going on the phone oh yeah yeah um and it's most i think it's most annoying in seattle where I, I don't want to buy this like seven day pass i'm never i'm usually never in seattle long enough and if you don't buy the seven day pass, you just have to pay fare. And it's like two, it's always like a quarter amount. So you have to carry around quarters. And I think it's like 275, which means three quarters. And it just annoys me. Keeping on transportation, when I was flying out to Chicago, my boarding pass, it said boarding group two. And I got excited. Oh, I'm in boarding group two. It's always really deceptive because when you get to the gate, it's they go, okay, we're going to board the plane. And does anyone need assistance getting on the plane? And they go on. And then it's, oh, now our first class. And then it's, oh, if you're a, like a silver member. And then, oh, if you're a member of this program, if you're, you know, ruby, emeralds, <laughs> sapphire. And then it's, do you have children? Yeah. And then, it, oh, do you have priority access? Are you Are sitting you in a wheelchair? Yes. And then by the time it gets around to group two, it's basically, you should, they should just be honest and say, oh, you're group 12, right? You're going to be the 12th group to board. You're way back there. Yeah. yeah. And it's always funny to see, it's mostly Asian people. They don't. They don't listen. No, they just try to get right on the plane. <laughs> just right. Just try to get right on. So it'll be like, oh, now we're boarding. You know, silver members, and people just walk up. No, that goes in one ear and out the other. Okay, so I'm on the plane and flipping through the magazine, and I always like to see a used airplane magazine. Well, first of all, I was reading the letters to the editor for this. This is American Airlines. I was reading the le- letters to the editor. For this American Airlines magazine, who first, yeah, that sounds like Charles Barkley, who is writing letters to a, <laughs> to an airline magazine? 
And these are like detailed letters. And these letters are like, oh, I love reading this magazine. When people ask me what I do on planes, do I get work done? I tell them no. When I get on a plane, I, I cozy up with like a glass of champagne and I flip through your magazine. That sounds like a plan. That's a Planet article. It's like, it's like every every letter was was some letter like, oh, thank you for enlightening me as to why uh, Steven Tyler has been showing up at Country Music Awards. I didn't know he, he was getting into country music. So I'm flipping through this used, this red, red airline magazine. And I like when you get to the crossword and it's half filled out because you can see where the person before you just gave up on the crossword puzzle and you can just sort of gauge how dumb they are. And you can champion through it. You go and finish it. You like to go and finish it for them? Yeah, yeah. So I like to see like, oh, this this guy's a novice. He didn't get very far. He got like three three answers. And, so, and sometimes when it's filled, you're just like, oh, you know, someone okay. smart was sitting in the seat before me. You're Although you use crosswords to gauge intelligence. That's a litmus well, test I for mean, you. It, airline magazine crosswords aren't very hard. Okay. So if they're you like can't people, finish it, like you're people magazine done. crosswords. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think like I was really smart for finishing a people magazine crossword, but those are so easy. As an aside, there was a crossword in my college newspaper and I would do the crossword during class a lot because, you know, lectures are boring. And the one clue that always came up was that fake fat oleo, O L E O. Oh. For some reason, the the maker of this crossword just just use that a lot. I guess it just fit into the crossword a lot. Is that the one that makes you poop your pants? Yes. The, so like the Olestra fake, and stuff was the, all based that, on that? The fake fat chips. Yeah. Those are the ones that really give you the, that, that anal leakage, I think. And I also <laughs> see Aria a lot. Like the song, A-R-I-A. I guess like the vowels just make just, it easy to use. It's, yeah, they're, they're words that fit into places easily. And another thing I like to do with airline magazines, I, I like to flip to the maps. They always have maps of where they fly in the back. And I like to see like the distance I'm going. And just like I just like looking at maps. And <laughs> I was sitting on the plane looking at this map of Europe. And I couldn't remember. I spent like a good 10 minutes trying to remember where Prague is. <laughs> I couldn't find it on the map. And I've just, I felt really stupid after finishing the crossword. That you get to this map and I can't remember where Prague is and I can't find it on the map and, it and it eventually was, it was eventually, labeled. I, I didn't find it. I had, after I got off the plane, I had to Google it, and it's in the Czech Republic. Yes, yes. I, I have a, I have some friends and it was there. <laughs> it was it was annoying me. Like I couldn't. It was I just couldn't. I didn't know where Prague was. Admittedly, geography is not a strong suit of mine either, but I did know where it was. I don't like when. The pilot says, oh, we're making our initial descent and gets, gets her hopes up and the plane doesn't land for another 30 minutes. I think they should just tell you when they're making the descent. Forget this whole initial thing. Well, like, isn't, no one... isn't everything at some point an initial descent? Like halfway through the flight, isn't, aren't you initially starting to descend? Right, but the initial descent is always a good 30, 40 minutes out before, before you actually touch ground. Yeah. And it's such a cock tease. Just, just tell me when we're actually going, you know, when when we then the seatbacks have to go up and the tray tables have to go up, and you know speaking of the seatbacks, the this the what do you call them now? <laughs> oh my god! The tray? I'm thinking air, I'm thinking air waitress, but it's a stewardess, right? Yeah, an air waitress. That is what they're going to be known to me. Like I, this I couldn't on. even remember where Prague was. So, <laughs> so it's like a trash panda as a raccoon. Yeah, is it so, air waitress? 
I, I think stewardess is sexist though. Like there's another flight attendant. That's there you what, go. that's what it's air waitress. So the, the the flight attendant is going through the aisle, you know, inspecting all the seats and telling people to to put their seat backs up. And I wonder why hasn't engineering reached a point where they can just push a button and all the seat backs will automatically go up and they can just force all the seat backs up. Like, why don't they just do that instead of having to go one by one telling, bothering people, like, excuse me, put, please put your seat back up. Well, these seats are like analog and a hundred years old. They're not yeah, all well, connected by some new, sort of. No, no, no. These new planes, they're rolling out these new planes with the weird redesigned cabin, overhead cabin space, and they all have the TVs. Okay, and, if it's a brand new airplane, I have not been on one of these. I ride rinky dink planes. Right. So you, you figure, even, you know, in, in brand new planes, figure just, it out. Just, it, this would save you a lot of time it, if you just like. It's like, well, you're done. It, yeah. You're just sitting up no matter what's going on, you got no choice. I forgot to mention, um, <laughs> in the airport, I saw an Asian dude with a mullet. And it's it's weird when you see people with crazy hairstyles because you want to take a photo of it. But it's you have to do it discreetly. And alas, I was unable to get a photo. And this is something you don't see often. I, I can't I can't picture it. I'm not around very many Asians, so. Like it was, it was, it was like short all around, and then the, there's just like stuff flowing in the back, right? It was like weeds growing in the, the the neckline. Well, I'm glad you didn't attempt to take a picture and get caught. I, I did manage to sneak a photo once of I think it was at CES of a of a balding of a bald dude with a ponytail. Just keeping what he's got, he's growing it extra long, whatever he has, <laughs> what little is left. Ball, ball ponytails. All right, let's open up my notes. So, <laughs> rat tails. More hair. Yes, more hair. Who <laughs> who decided this was a good hairstyle? The rat tail. I'm I'm not even sure its origins. I had one when I was in first grade, and that's an age like, that people can remember, right? Like you probably remember back to first grade. I do, but I don't ever remember having this. There's pictures, there's evidence. I had it. Where did like, I get the idea that I wanted this? Like why? I remember one time I think um I was young too and I went to get a haircut and for some reason the the barber gave me a rat tail and I came home mom's like my mom's like, "Nope, we're cutting it off right now." <laughs> I just, I just don't like what, what, why is this a good look? Why do people have rat tails? Well, I think like Euro club people, they still do it. They do like a fashion rat tail or something, but I just don't know where it originated from for me. I don't know where it came from because my mom didn't certainly say, Hey, cut a rat tail. Give my kid a, a rat tail. And I obviously had to grow it out. It had to have been the longest my hair had ever it's, been. You, you got to grow out your hair. And then you got to cut, cut most of the, the all around out. it. You got to cut yeah, all around yeah. it, everything above it. So you just, it wasn't a very long rat tail, but it was still disgusting. And I'm not sure why I was allowed it or where it came from. I don't know the origins of it. I'll never understand. Most famous rat tail is, um, Bobby's brother on Bobby's world. Oh, that's right. I, I remember thinking that. The older brother on Home Improvement should play 
uh, Bobby's brother in a live action Bobby's World film. You didn't have a Bobby. You just had his brother. Or did you have who would you cast as Bobby? I, I didn't have a Bobby. Oh. No, I I had Bobby. Yeah, the the, the uncle would have been John Goodman. And would Howie Mandel have been in the live action? Yeah, and the sister would have been Christina Applegate, and Howie Mandel would have been the dad. Okay. I <laughs> I thought this through. Hey, Netflix, let's get this going. But, you know, Zachary Ty Bryan, who I envisioned playing Derek, he did have crazy hair on Home Improvement. Remember? Do you remember the um, when he just, like, tied up all his hair? On the, on the top of his head, like the onion haircut, kind of like a like a samurai. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they let him do that. So I live in an area with a lot of squirrels, and you'll often see dead squirrels. You know, either cars run over them or something happens to them. Just squirrel bodies in in, in the street. And I wonder if squirrels recognize each other. Like, it, does a squirrel see a dead squirrel and think, oh? Oh, oh no, Sharif died. <laughs> Sharif or, the squirrel. That's a, that's a, you know, <laughs> do, do squirrels recognize each other? Do squirrels recognize another dead squirrel? Are, do you ask this because they all look the same or we just don't well, know I just the wonder, language? Like, all these squirrels are in the same area. Yeah. They grow and, up with each other. Yeah, it's like, oh, we lost another one, right? <laughs> do the, do, do they, do they, are, what is their what is their cognition? Like, how aware are they of other squirrels? Yeah, and and they see him and they're squished in the street. Yeah, you know? they're bummed about Sharif. It's <laughs> the first name that came to my head. <laughs> <laughs> this is me today. I, I can't remember where Prague is. Yeah, air waitresses and and Sharif the squirrel. So, <laughs> I wonder love on craigslist like those sections i'm in particular the sections of like men seeking women or like women seeking men Mm -hmm. because i feel like any self-respecting woman is not going to look for men on on craigslist men might look for other men like i don't doubt that but like women wise I, I, I like. I wonder how many successful like marriages or couples have come from Craigslist. Like, it's not the most ideal matchmaking platform, at all. Yeah, I just feel like it's just like a, like a cruising thing. Like, even I think gay dudes are are, are are even cruising the the men seeking women sections, right? I think it's just like thirsty men all, all on Craigslist. I, I wonder if any women seriously use Craigslist to find love. I, the only time I ever look at anything on Craigslist is, is like I'm looking for a car part. All right. Well, this is a quick thought. You know, in Asia, you see people wearing surgical masks. One, because the air is so bad. And two, because if you're sick, you put on a surgical mask to prevent other people from getting sick. Yeah. And one, I wonder why we don't do that in America and two, I think it's it amuses me because I've never seen an Asian person cover their their nose when they sneeze. They, they just, just like, yeah, they just like fired into the wind. And but when they're sick, they gotta gotta put on a surgical mask. Are they just so used to having a mask when they're sick that they think that? They I mean, forget. it's the same thing, right? When you sneeze, you're supposed to cover your you're supposed to get it on your hands so you can just wash it. Well, technically, it. you're supposed to sneeze into your elbow. 
So then you don't get it on your hands at all. Oh. Come on, man. Crisscross applesauce. You got to learn these things when you're little. There's a, a Chick-fil-A near my house. And to get out of the bathroom, there's like a little uh, crank attached to the door. And you're supposed to just wrap your elbow around it to pull open the door. So your hand doesn't have to touch the handle of the door to open it at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the only place I've ever seen this like elbow handle. And I, and I like it. It's sanitary. A couple of bars will have I've been to have like the foot one on the bottom, but I don't like to use that because then it like scuffs up the top of your shoe. Okay, so thirteen hours, the Michael Bay Benghazi film had I don't know if it was the premiere, but it had a premiere at Cowboy Stadium. It's AT and T Stadium, but it's it's Jerry World, the where the Dallas Cowboys play. And they had the premiere on the large the giant, screen, in the, the gigantic, middle. yeah, jumbotron. And I want to read details in this report of the premiere. Uh, let's see. Things took a turn for the worse. Chris Cornell of Soundgarden rose to sing a song. Things again took a turn for the worse. He sang another. This one, he said, was inspired by people who fell and stood their who stood their ground in Benghazi. As Cornell sung his Benghazi song, footage from the movie played. Jets, wrecked military equipment, handsome men in a foreign land, a Benghazi music video. And then we dropped back from kitsch into reality. Three of the security contractors who were in Benghazi ascended to speak on stage. The crowd went wild. Back to kitsch. Members of the band Perry rose to sing Amazing Grace as a field of lit candles appeared on the screen above. To reality, photos of the Americans killed in Benghazi began floating over the field. Chris Cornell. This sounds really cringy. This whole experience. <laughs> yes. But I'm sure the people who attended enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, the demo for that obviously paid tickets to go to this premiere. So I think that's the type of thing they're expecting. I read that Paramount didn't want to make it, but felt they owed it to Michael Bay because... He's made them so much money. They didn't actually like want a, to do it, huh? It's like a favor. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think I think pain I think pain and gain was another favor. Like you keep making us Transformers films and Ninja Turtles films. Well, because he did and, confirm he's coming back for the fifth one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a. It's a give and a take here. Yeah. Okay. I was looking through the schedule for SF Indie Fest. It's an independent film festival in San Francisco, and. I saw this film called El Incidente, The Incident, and it says, two parallel stories follow two sets of characters trapped in illogically infinite spaces. A a detective and two brothers climb an apartment staircase, only to find it looping back below only a few stories up. A family drives an endless road, passing the same signs in gas stations over and over again, in each, re- in each reality, victims must choose to break their pattern or make peace with their new reality. That sounds interesting. That sounds it cool. sounds like It sounds like the, the staircase in... Did you ever play Mario 64? Yeah. Staircase that, that, that just... That winds up. The endless staircase, yes. Yeah. But So are they like I, dead? Is it like a purgatory thing? Or I don't know. I, I went on IMDb to look at the poster... And these, these, these pull quotes, 
like an ultra-dark remake of Groundhog Day produced by Damon Lindelof and directed by the ghost of Rod Serling, Fangoria. This is where I would stick in like two wide-eyed emojis, oh. or just maybe one. <laughs> um, the most cinematic and impressive lost fan film ever made, horror movies uncut. You could go either way, depending on how you feel about Lost, right? And this came uh, out. This came out in 2014. Yeah, it says 2014, and according to the release dates, it opened last year. But I've heard nothing about this film until now. So, are you going to go see it? Maybe. I don't know if I'll be in town, but it's something to look out for. Oh, here, let's last pull quote here. Using a budget that must have been a mere fraction of Nolan's Inception. Esben takes a more imaginative and precarious approach with a better payoff. The incident is one of the same lineage of Tarkovsky, Solaris, and Kubrick's 2001. That's some high high praise, or at least... So we got Groundhog Day, yeah, Lost, Solaris, 2001. Wow. I'll have to be on the lookout for it, too. That's it. It sounds like that hotel episode of The, the Leftovers. <laughs> and uh, did you know that Airbud is now a production company? <laughs> well, I do now. I discovered it this week. It's called Airbud Entertainment. After, after 13 Airbud films, they've what? gone all in and formed a production company. They've created a juggernaut. Why not? Yeah. It appears to... Uh, just be producing films with animals and talking animals. The first feature is Monkey Up, which will be available on DVD. I think it's available digitally on January 19th and then available on DVD. Why am I giving out dates? The first week of February, I think. Because um, everybody wants that stamp of approval from Air Bud. You want to yeah. see that, you want to see that so, logo on something. So from Airbud Entertainment, Monkey Up. It's an all-new family comedy about a talking monkey seeking to gain fame and fortune as a movie star, but instead finds what's most important, a family. <laughs> so it's it's instead of dogs, this one is, is monkeys. And it stars Crystal, the monkey from The Hangover, and also Annie's boobs on community. Crystal's character, Monty, is the star of Monkey Up Energy Drink commercials, who dreams of breaking out of advertising to become an A-list player on the Hollywood scene. Are kids going to be into this? Like, it's, it's, it's a showbiz... I'm looking at the Facebook page here, and I can't... I can't a, stop a laughing at this monkey driving this tiny Lexus. <laughs> Showbiz talking monkeys from a wholesome, wholesome showbiz talking monkeys. Well, th- this begs the question: When has this like? Because I'm trying to relate this Airbud Entertainment thing to something else, like uh, like the American Pie movies that just kept going, and like you know National Lampoon even. But like, where, but like, when is that that stamp? Has that ever worked out for anything where it actually creates good things? It doesn't just well, turn it, into... Well, I don't think children's entertainment is about creating good things. It's about creating stuff that children will watch. Well, that'll okay. keep them preoccupied, right? I guess this is on the child scale of things. Can you think of a... like a? There, there have been a lot of monkey films 
in 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 our, in our lifetimes. Yeah, well, the monkey, of, like the, the, monkey, the monkey thing kind of died away. Well, what 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 is one I'm thinking of? Like Dunstan checks in. There's that one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Ed, no, this one with Matt, Matt LeBlanc and a monkey. I'm just, I, it's not Ed. Matt LeBlanc monkey. Ed, it is Ed. It is Ed, yes. Good call. That's also 1996. 90, 96 was a big year for monkey movies because that was also Dunstan Checks In. But but monkeys were really big in the 80s, and then they kind of, they've kind of been on a downward know, I, arc. Maybe I, I, they're I trying like- to bring it back. It's interesting that they didn't do they didn't do cats. They went for monkeys. Well, I think as, mo- as, mon- monkeys must exist in an entertainment format because they're easy to work with. Yeah, cats are probably like cats. cats are probably not as entertaining as monkeys. Well, I mean, cats would be a better sell now though because yeah, well, those I mean, Tumblr kids would probably pay for fucking dumb cat movies. And unfortunately, like you can't really do like fish movies. <laughs> Or, or crab movies. I mean, I guess that's why you end up animating all these other animals. I didn't realize Paul Rubens was in Duncan Dun, Dunstan Checks In. That had a lot of like high profile talent. Yeah, Jason Alexander, Rupert Everett, stacked. All right, let's talk about the Revenant. All right. So, the Revenant, I think led Oscar nominations or it was tied for most. And what I've been seeing this award season is a lot of backlash to The Revenant, um, particularly from people who have not seen The Revenant, who just have a perception of The Revenant or have read articles about The Revenant or heard friends discussing The Revenant. You know, I don't think it's... I don't think it's a fabulous film, but I don't know why people are so negative toward this film. I've been processing it since I saw it on Thursday and people keep asking me because, oh, you saw it. What do you think? Because this wasn't one people were diving out to go see opening day. This wasn't Star Wars, so they didn't need to see it right away. And I've struggled to, to get out what my feeling is towards it. It obviously was pretty, but I knew that going in, that it was going to look So, good. like, I think uh, some of the criticisms. One, Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't deserve all this acting attention. He doesn't speak, right? It's a very physical performance. And I don't think that's a knock. I don't right? think it's a knock because, like, it's it's interesting how The Revenant is kind of parallel to Mad Max Fury Road. Tom Hardy doesn't talk in that film either. But and nobody's films, bitching about that. Right. And then and it's not like the Revenant is jacking all of Mad Max Fury Road's juice. Mad Max Fury Road is, is being a, nominated. A separate too. entity. It yeah, it's it, not sharing it's not sharing. It's be, it's being acknowledged it. in the same space, yes. I think. Yeah. And both films are chase films. Where but where Fury Road is just explicitly just a chase film, you know. The Revenant has higher aspirations and it wants it's it's pretentious right there there are dream sequences i feel like i've seen hundreds of these uh, i've seen hundreds of slow pretentious films just like the revenant 
and no well, one revenge, no, no one gives revenge based as well yeah no, no one gives always. films like no one gives those films grief like what what is it about this film that makes people think oh it's so pretentious oh it's so slow i'm not i'm i'm not sure because unfortunately i haven't heard any other opinions like the people that i talk to because i went with those people oh. so i like, haven't been hearing is, any is outside it, stuff i'm just trying to figure out like is it do do they not like how 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 method Di- Di- DiCaprio and Inaritu were when making the film? Because you know, The Revenant has practical effects, as does Fury Road, right? Yeah, I don't. So I don't know. Like, it the The Revenant reminds me of Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line or Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the uh, film Park Chan-wook made before old boy mm-hmm. those two are slow pretentious films with bursts of action yeah. or violence and i thought maybe maybe one of the problems with the revenant is it front loads the, the yeah, action it starts out it starts out hot i mean it starts like out the full, the, full the, on. The, the the native american attack at the beginning is I, I thought it, I liked it. You do, know? do you think people thought there would be more of, and then it just kind of wasn't there? Yeah, like like you 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 open the After film that. with this. You open this film with this. I don't want to use the word great. I have something against the word great. I don't like how it sounds. So I'll say, you know, you have this mighty good. <laughs> oh, that is worse. Whatever. Yeah, N- Native American. Attack, and yeah. then you have a. This, I thought the bear attack was stunning. Yeah, and then you're gonna come out. I think most people would come out saying those two sequences are right are their favorite then, things. But that's that's like the first thirty minutes of the film, and then you have like ninety minutes of him. It's like a road trip film, right? He goes from place to place. He falls in in the river. You know, he falls off a cliff until he finally confronts Tom Hardy, right? Yeah, and so. Maybe it was maybe it was a pacing issue. And you know, I, I didn't come out. It I knew it was long, actual length long. But coming out of there, I didn't feel like oh god, this movie was long. I was right. I was glued glued to the so, visuals and the sights and the sounds when there wasn't any dialogue. I wonder if that's I wonder if that's an issue because like the thin red line. This, the may, the the highlight is in the middle of the film, as it, as it is in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. It just comes late. It comes like in the second third of the film. Right. Sure. It's not front loaded like this is. Yeah. Well, one thing that I was shocked about was the amount of people in the theater and hearing how every single show has been selling out since it's opened here. I I was somewhat shocked about well the attendance. So, so people. Fox, are is, Fox has been promoting this for it. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fox has been promoting this for a while, and so. Do you think a lot of people thought it was one thing and were coming out completely, completely on the other end, and and was like, that was not what I was expecting from either via the trailer? Because I've been hearing lots of like, parental types, saying, "Oh, I want to see that," and I kind of want to go. Do do you know what this is? Do you know what this is exactly? The the, the thing is. I think it's a. I wonder how the film would play if you cut out the dream sequences, right? If it's just straight up, if it's Mad Max Fury Road, 
because they they didn't bother me, but I think that those are what are, are bothering people. Like they're, those dream sequences, I guess, cut into whatever action is in you know the center of the film. I hate to see people knock stuff just because it doesn't have the action they're expecting. And I think that leads to the... I, I think that gives some merit to the fact that I think people are expecting one thing and coming out with something different. I, the, anyway. I, I just don't think they know what the movie is, which you think you would if you're familiar with the director and everybody else involved, but... I, I don't think parental... I, I think there's anything objectionable to the film like that, that parents would object to. No, but I think... I don't know how to I don't know how to put it. I just think that there's people that are surprising in their enthusiasm to see this movie that are that are not people I would expect to ever be enthused if they knew what it really was, what they're getting into. I don't think I think they're they're thinking it's something different. I don't know if it was a trailer, perhaps showing one thing. But no no, it's but it's not something different though. I don't think the I think you don't think the they were misled. No, because you do get that film. You do get the revenge, the story. It's just like But I think well the presentation perhaps of it. I don't I don't know. See, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that's the issue either. I don't know. I'm just trying to think out loud here and dig into where where either disappointment or however you want to label it back backlash is coming from. And I think like, oh, if if the Revenant doesn't deserve all these Oscar nominations, what film does? I don't I don't think it was a very strong year for film um at least the revenant is pretty to look at tom hardy is mighty good uh did you did you feel that you could have reversed the roles of hardy and leo and still have come out with a good movie because i was thinking that almost the entirety of the movie that I'd almost rather have seen tom hardy in leo's role and leo in the other role and i thought leo would have been it would have been that, a stronger that, that, that casting. I, I, I think I, that character, if he was playing Hardy's character, would have actually gave Leo something better and different than he normally does. Can you imagine like two films nominated for Best Picture in which Tom Hardy doesn't talk at all? Oh god! Well, on, and then there's that on to top it off. Oh, that's another complaint. Why are people so upset that Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't talk? Like, do, I feel like. That you know they they don't feel like they got their their money's worth. That you know I'm I'm paying to see this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio better talk. Well, and I actually thought there was more dialogue in it than I was expecting. I thought there was going to be less than there was, so I I was surprised at the amount of dialogue there was. I mean, there's a stretch where there's not a lot, but then it, there, there's stretches they, where there's there's plenty of talking going on. It's weird the handcuffs people have about films like, oh, it's in black and white. Oh, it has subtitles. But like, oh, he doesn't talk a lot. And this is not it's not the first time a major motion picture has had a cast or someone not talk a lot. I mean, you have movies like Castaway. It's just a lone, a lone person. I don't think yeah. I heard issues with that to the extent. That's that's also long. That's a movie that feels long. It's long and it feels long. All right. And also, I would like to see the bear attack scene without the bear because the bear is CGI. Yes. Is it a. I, I, to me, I was envisioning Andy Circus and he has little bear paws on, on two sticks and he just they just use those with a bunch of dots on them, you know, 
so they can get the placement of him. And then he just kind of goes on top of Leo and scratches him up and stuff. That's what I was picturing the whole time. I read that there's like a rig to pull him. Oh, like like he's like hoisted and thrown around off of like pulleys and ropes and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet because it looked. It seemed like that's how they would do that practically. Lastly, the the um, the backlash toward Leo for doing what he did during filming, going full method. I maybe it's because they keep talking about it or. Why I I don't know I don't know why people are holding it against him like well nobody, he didn't have to do it but he did it mm. nobody gets mad at Daniel Day Lewis for doing it like I don't I don't see that as a negative I don't understand why that's a negative you know if if he, if if he wants to do if he wants to to go all in by all means right okay so Fox announced that they are making a pilot for 24 Legacy, a spinoff of 24, which will star no one from the original series. It will be new, younger characters. It will be 12 episodes in the same format as 24 with time jumps because there are 12 episodes. A condensed miniseries version, but a new series. Yeah, and so who knows about the time jumps because the live another day 24 live another day that promised time jumps but it was basically 11 straight hours and then a time jump at the very end yeah that's not that's not the format i would say it was, it was a time jump i wouldn't describe that as a time jump so when news broke twitter was uh full of people saying how no jack bauer why would i watch and i'm curious to see how this place, if it if it goes to series, well, for one, they've already changed the format, which they obviously they did. They played with it last time. With they don't with, they with don't need jack, to with, change, they don't need to change the format. It could just be like twelve hours or straight, right? Yeah, that yeah, but I, well, that's the same format. Then it's an hour an episode. It's just not a full twenty four. The thing yeah. is, like, you go back and watch twenty four, and the first season. They definitely designed it to be 13 episodes because they didn't know if they're going to pick it up for a back nine. And so that's why Dennis Hopper comes in and that's why Terry gets amnesia because they, they, had, to re- they had to reboot it right in the middle. Right, right. And so to extend. So they can do like a 12 episode arc and that might be better, right? Well, for one, I, I, as a purist of 24, I would prefer them just to have an hour an episode equal an hour of TV doesn't need to be 24 hours right but also i'm on the same side of without without Kiefer sutherland i'm not sure what they, the they could easily come made. up with a character that's just as compelling as jack bauer who's that gonna be you gotta cast strong and <laughs> just whoever disney doesn't pick for young han solo just grab that list and find someone on that list all right that's not a very good list right now though that that's a whole other can of worms but i I wonder if this this strategy might not work better with Homeland. Like get get Carrie out of there and you know, maybe keep Saul and keep, keep keep some of the other things the elements that are that are there but get rid of Carrie. Right, just get another Carrie. I that would work better. That would work better. I'm not a fan. I I'm I'm unfavorably supporting this. Fox is also bringing back Prison Break. Um, did you ever? How, did you ever finish? 
No, I, I stopped watching Prison Break after season two. Yep, so did I. I think they so went to I, Mexico. <laughs> was that before they went to Mexico? Mexico, I think, was either season three or four. Yeah, okay. But yep. Prison Break was Prison Break. Is, the reason they're bringing back Prison Break is because it's really popular overseas. And is that a Netflix uh, or is that a streaming? Is that a popularity based on throwing that on a streaming service? No, no, no. Um, it it aired on TV and it was and popular. It was like huge in France, hmm. and I, that's why they also brought back Heroes Reborn because it plays yeah. well over. You have to question the taste of people in uh in other countries. The United States market is it's what is all that really matters, but unfortunately we have to uh when it comes to television. So if Fox is bring back X Files and twenty four and Prison Break, Ugh. like what else could they bring back, right? Why not do well let's reanimate then, the tick and then remake well, no, 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 the no, no, animated no. tick in another just, live just action. Said, like I think last year it was um Amazon is trying to make to reboot the live action tick with Patrick Warburton. I think it would do well. I think it could so, work. I think there's a way to make that but I mean, good. Ben McKenzie is on Gotham, but maybe Adam Brody could do like the OC. The problem with the OC out ended is they they went deep into the future. Yeah, right? they jumped. They jumped ahead big so, time. So you would have to go back in time to do a, a legacy sequel to the OC. The OC legacy. Seriously, like all of Fox's schedule from the early aughts, you know, Arrested Development. Uh, they, they brought back Family Guy originally, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think like Briscoe County Jr. Um, they tried to bring back In Living Color. Yeah, um, that fell apart. But the attempt was made. Yeah. Firefly. <laughs> well, they got their movies. Hey, Deadwood, hey Deadwood might get the movies. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I'm watching them. I always, um, always bet against those. Oh, as as an aside, um, we're talking about international taste. I saw this in uh, the Hollywood Reporter. They did a little chart about how about Avatar's gross in international countries compared to Star Wars: The Force Awakens projected gross, and why Star Wars probably won't catch Avatar in global gross. So Avatar made what seven hundred sixty point five million domestic, and Force Awakens has made eight hundred twelve point seven million domestic, but globally, Avatar made two point seven nine billion global, and Star Wars is projected to cap out at one point seven three, so one billion less than Avatar. That is incredible. That's incredible. So I'm looking through this list and. So in in South Korea, um, Avatar made 105 million dollars, and Star Wars is projected to cap out at 26 million dollars. That's a, so. So that's yeah. how you can see how Avatar ends up at a billion. Little numbers like that. Asians love it. <laughs> okay, I saw this news article. The creator of The Big Bang Theory, Mom, Mike and Molly. And Two and a Half Men is shopping a pot comedy. Uh, the spec script has been sent out to broadcast networks and is set at a legal marijuana dispensary in Colorado. The ensemble revolves around a group of potheads. Now, I, <laughs> if it's anything like The Big Bang Theory, I wonder how much mileage you can get out of P- 
people being forgetful or lazy or hungry. Yeah, like is is it just is it just because marijuana is is quote unquote hot now or like what what does them selling pot add to the the sitcom idea? Well, I mean it it doesn't have to like Cheers was just you know Parks and Recreation they just happened to work there but not every episode is about them working. No, there's a varied so there it was varied which made the show work well. I just I just wonder like if in season 5 of this pothead show how much of it is about them <laughs> pot, right? How much of it is pot related? Well, if it's anything like Chuck Lorre's other shows, Big Bang Theory obviously is the easiest target. I mean, that show doesn't really spread its wings. How, how, I'm how led many, to believe that this would be the same way. Like a carbon uh, yeah, copy of I, Big I, I Bang imagine, Theory. Oh, Snoop Dogg is guest, guest starring. Uh, Cheech and Chong. Right? See, that's not a hot start. That's already just super typical. And then, this is not the only pod comedy being developed. Um, there are <laughs> quite a few. It's It's a very hot idea quote-unquote. Margaret Cho is set to star in a comedy titled Highland uh, in development at Amazon. It's an hour-long dramedy. Cho plays a version of herself who, after a court-ordered rehab, gets a chance to start over but has to move in with her dysfunctional family who now runs a pod dispensary. I think this is a pretty weak premise because wouldn't you want to just go hang out with your family that runs a pot dispensary? Seems like a pretty cush job. Cush. And, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you the pot dispensary just seems like unnecessary, right? You have a dysfunctional family already. That that's but who's trying to get who wants Margaret Cho back? Well. The this the thing about this 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 one is it's being over the showrunner is Liz Sarnoff who wrote on Deadwood and Lost. Well, so and it has at be, least it's billed as a dramedy. So oh okay, maybe it's transparent with pot. I just don't know if Margaret Cho is gonna get me to watch it. I mean, maybe it'll be good. And then. HBO has ordered six episodes, six new episodes of um, High Maintenance, which was a short form comedy on Vimeo. And I've I've, never I've watched it. it. I've seen. Is it, it. any good? It's all right. It's, I think so. It's, it's, the format works well for it because it's real short. Like it's just nice short segments, little little bits. It's mainly like a guy running around delivering pot, and it just follows him into you get a glimpse of the life of the people he's delivering the pot to so it's so very, it's various characters just all sorts of stuff so it does have a premise that is freeing it centers on a brooklyn pot dealer named the guy and his eclectic group of clients so this is pot delivery yeah yeah he's like a bike you know he's like a bike messenger type of guy delivering mm-hmm. delivering pot I do. I don't think in a legal fashion, if I remember correctly. I, so I watched this a while ago because the high maintenance debuted in like 2012. It's. Do you remember that old. sitcom about um, 
Bike Messengers on CBS. Double Rush. Double Rush. It starred the 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 painter on Murphy Brown. He's dead. Next time we have to discuss CBS sitcoms. <laughs> Since we already touched a bit on Fox. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll have a whole bit on on CBS sitcoms of the nineties. Oh, I do not remember this. But ninety five would be a time where bike messengers would have been like pretty cool. Did this run for a while? No, Double Rush was was axed after like one season. Okay, I was gonna say. So we have the network comedy set at a legal marijuana dispensary in Colorado. I imagine that'll be on CBS. And then you have Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho's family runs a pot dispensary on Amazon. And then you have the Brooklyn Pot Dealer on HBO. And then Adam Scott and his wife have set up the scripted comedy Buds at NBC. Uh, it revolves around the day-to-day operations of a marijuana dispensary in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 basically the the CBS pot show, but on NBC, and produced by Adam Scott and Joe Mandy, um, who wrote on Parks and Recreation and is on Twitter, uh, will pen the script. I. Out of the the ones we've described, I think this one has the highest potential for me to like. Well, just based on who was involved, just based on the fact that the producers have smoked pot, um, they'll have plenty of things to draw from. I like Joe Mandy a lot. So this this is four. I imagine more will Fox this, will have to get in on this, right? This is not. Yeah, these are not the only ones. There will there will there will be more. This is like the vampires of. Uh, 2016 it's it's pot dispensary and pot involved comedies i just like oh people be into this like you're you're inclined to think about pot films right and those attract a certain audience a certain subset of people enjoy half-baked yeah and i don't know i i wonder how heavy these appear to be shows about pot, not shows that appeal to people who smoke pot, right? But well, you never know. Well, and those are two very different, categorically different things. Yeah. Is it somebody who's interested? I mean, is it just going to be a bunch of dad jokes about fucking pot on all of these? Because, ooh, you know, you know like I'm, somebody I'm, who I'm, doesn't I'm, smoke pot, I want to watch the show about pot. I'm surprised, like, Craft Brewers hasn't been... Uh, is there a, is it, like the basis of like the guy's jobs is a is craft brewing? Yeah, yeah. I think that would probably be a better a better environment. It's less pot just seems kind of covered. I'm surprised there's not one about craft brewing. Now that you mention it, yeah, the wheels are turning in my head. Finally, finally, I stumbled upon the World Dog Awards. This week, I didn't know it existed, and it was apparently the second annual show. It says, the World Dog Awards honored some of the most commendable pups from around the globe. The winners ranged from Khaleesi, a pit bull without a snout, 
who won the underdog award to Instagram sensation Doug the Pug, who won for best dressed. Uh, why are we giving awards to dogs? Like, are they even aware they're winning anything? They're definitely not. It's heartwarming, John. Come on. This year, the World Dog World Dog Awards, like the World Series, like the world gives a shit about. It's not. Giving- it's not a very good name. It doesn't roll yeah. off the tongue. World it's- Dog Awards. <laughs> mm. This year, the World Dog Awards featured a live reunion between an active duty U.S. soldier and his loyal dog. <laughs> In the spirit of viral videos that feature dogs being reunited with the soldiers who love them, that genre. It sounds the like leftover. The leftovers actress Amy Brenneman presented the award of loyalty to Saint, who has held down the home front while his human companion defends our country overseas. She gave an award to the dog. You know, because he can put it in that home he owns with a mortgage, right? You can put that on the shelf in his office, that dog. So, let's see. Oh, here's the full list of winners here. Um, Dog of the year, Gabe, a therapy dog to wounded U.S. Army veteran Justin Lansford. Top movie dog, top TV, A-list dog, Amanda Seyfried, and Finn, her dog, I guess. So a celebrity with a dog. Yeah. Popular, Manny the Frenchie. Aunt Manny the Frenchie on Instagram. Supporting actor to a dog. Jason Schwartzman in the film Seven Chinese Brothers. Best supporting actor to a dog. That is not an award I would want to win. He didn't accept it, did he? Is it him? He was there. Jason Schwartzman attended this show. Uh, Best dressed... Uh, oh, top spot, master. Oh, a commercial that featured a dog. Best commercial that featured a dog. Best celebrity dog selfie. Best re- top video game dog. River as dog meat from Fallout Four. <laughs> That's not even a real dog. Uh, All right. So I caught. Yeah, I caught some of this. Oh, you did. I yeah. The girlfriend was flipping around. Okay. And I saw George Lopez, very sweaty face, uh, announcing they were doing like a trick competition. So I caught this dog jump over like a very high bar and then his owner caught him. And then he said some god awful joke and I had to turn away and walk out of the room. And now I didn't really know what I was watching. And then I saw this in our in our script notes here. And so like who? <laughs> What is Jason Schwartzman's agent doing? That that or Amy Brenneman's agent that they're attending the World Dog Awards. I mean, these are two people I would, I would consider. You know, they're working actors. They're in things. What are they doing here? Well, to be fair, um, Jason Schwartzman, <laughs> Jason Schwartzman film that no one saw. Some indie film that he made. Uh, does a dog talk in it? Do you know anything about no, it? No, no. It's like some like indie, like, I think it's a gangster film. And he had a dog in it. Yeah, I'm like, and, you, you'd think like dogs are in like a lot of films. Well, that's how you can have the World Dog Awards. 
the second annual is because there's oh, so go. many dogs out there. Kirsten Maldonado from the Grammy Award-winning group Pentatonix performed Over the Rainbow on stage in honor of Toto, the iconic pup from The Wizard of Oz, and also The Wiz, received the Dog's Life Achievement Award. <laughs> who, do you which, gi- who do you give the award to? This dog's been long dead. Which celebrates an iconic dog character in pop culture that has had a huge cultural impact. Okay. People are watching it because they brought it back. I mean, yes. This is the second one. Man, how pissed must cats be? Okay. I'm looking at a photo of the stage. They have like a giant like gold fire hydrant. <laughs> it's like three stories tall. It's like the centerpiece of the stage. Well, and this seems like a thing that I, I would get this if this was a CW from a decade ago. But CW is like a competitive network to some degree now. What are they doing with this garbage? Oh my god. Okay. So there we go. The world the world dog awards. John, are you not a dog person? It's just like I'm not not a dog person. Okay. Right? I know I, Here's the thing about dogs. They I drive them crazy. <laughs> you like, drive them wa- crazy. I can't walk past a dog in my neighborhood without the dog just going nuts. And so that's why I can't have a dog. Well, I mean, it shows for somebody. Yeah. They, they need to have a better name. They're obviously getting those celebs, though. So they're selling it to somebody. Uh, these are... Uh, yeah, I mean, look at the, I'm looking at the list. Like, Melissa Rivers. I mean, we're not talking. We're not talking a list. JB Smooth. Uh, I Justine from YouTube. <laughs> I mean, these these are the celebrities I would expect to be involved with the World Dog Awards. This is the I, I caliber. Just feel like this is this is the low. This is the lowest of the low when we're talking about fake award shows. They should have like the Country Dog Awards, right? I just want to know who gets the award. Like, who got Toto's award? That dog is. That dog's bones are dust. You, now. You're the one who watched it. You didn't see any of the awards given it. No, I just saw George Lopez corralling up a dog and making it, making its owner make the it list, jump, it seems jump like this the, do- the dogs are receiving the awards. It's not their. It's not their owners. But I mean, inherently, the owner's going to end up with this award. This oh. dog's not doing anything with it. It's like we should do. You know, if if if, if we can give awards to dogs, we should have like the World Coma Awards, right? Which is just give just, You've been just in, give awards to people in comas like longest coma, yeah you know, or best, craziest uh, coma best supporting actor to a to a comatose, like they're uh, the caregiver kind of yeah a list coma, uh surprise surprise coma yeah there you go, <laughs> like what a, a most unfortunate event coma, celebrity coma selfie you know. <laughs> This is taking a dark turn. There you go. Like uh, <laughs> the the Lifetime Coma Award. Yeah, that person can no longer be with us, right? Uh, Most inspiring know. coma. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm John at AdamRiff.com. I'm also on Twitter at AdamRiffs with an S at the end. And you can find me at Zombieologist on Twitter. And you can also email us at backwashaudio at gmail.com. And 
again, a reminder that we are now easily found on iTunes and subscribable through most podcast apps. So do that and we'll see you around. Thank <laughs> you.